Welcome to episode number 24 of Strengthening the Brethren podcast. I'm your host, Michael Larson. Today I'm going to share what I think is a little-known fact about where our founders came up with the three branches of government. But first, I'd like to tell you about Patriot Mobile. They are not a sponsor of this podcast. I'm a customer of theirs, and I am pleased with them. They are the only Christian conservative phone carrier whose mission is to defend our God-given constitutional rights and freedoms. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom and freedom of speech, the Second Amendment right to bear arms, the sanctity of life, the needs of our veterans and first responders. Now you can partner with a phone carrier that shares your values. Go over to PatriotMobile.com or call 972-PATRIOT and let them know that Michael Larson referred you. You'll need to give them my phone number, which you can find in the show notes. Patriot Mobile has a membership where you can obtain free prescription medication. They also just came out with wireless internet. Learn more about them at PatriotMobile.com. Now on to our lesson. In Isaiah 33:22, the Bible says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. Our founders got the idea of the three branches of government from this verse. In it, we see the concepts of the judicial branch, the legislative branch, and the executive branch. Since God is the one who instituted human government, see Genesis 9-6, it stands to reason that our founders desired to frame our nation under biblical principles. There is an obvious distinction between the context of this verse and how it's applied today. Notice that the Lord fills each position alone. He doesn't have any lieutenant governors or anything of the sort because man doesn't provide counsel to the Lord. He spoke all creation into existence. See Psalms 33 verses 6 through 9. He is omniscient and holy. Nothing in all creation can be compared to him. Both his love and his justice are rooted in holiness. Holy means set apart. He is perfect in every way. Everything he does is always good and right, even if we don't understand his purpose in a thing. Isaiah 55 verses 6 through 11 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. There are three things that God cannot do. He cannot lie, he cannot change, and he cannot allow sinners into heaven. Titus 1-2 says that God cannot lie. Due to God's character, it is impossible for him to lie. Jesus himself, who is God, said in John 14, verse 6, that he is the truth. In John 17, 17, he said that God's word is truth. In John 15, Jesus said he is the true vine. 
In 1 John 1, we see a stark contrast between us and the Lord. 1 John 1, verses 1 through 10, says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We can trust God wholeheartedly because he cannot lie. He doesn't even tell so-called little white lies. There is no such thing as a little white lie. Satan is so good at renaming sins to where they become trivialized and we find ourselves desensitized to all sins that Jesus died for. No one else has sacrificed as much as our Heavenly Father did. God loves us so much. God cannot change. Lamentations 3 verses 22 through 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Hebrews 6, verses 17 through 20 says, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. These passages give us peace in mind that we can know that God will always be the same from day to day. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ, who again is God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. By the way, you can always spot false religions and cults by their view of Christ. If you are in a religion that says Jesus was just a good teacher, a good prophet, or that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers, you need to cut ties with it and find a good Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. Now, God always works within the parameters of his word. His actions and what he says never contradict each other, nor will they. 
If the saying is true that a man's word is his bond, how much more is it true with the holy God? Lamentations 3.23 says that God's mercies are new every morning. Simply put, grace is when God gives us something we don't deserve, and mercy is when God does not give us what we do deserve. Grace and mercy often go together. In addition, mercy is coupled with truth. Dunkin' Donuts had a character named Fred the Baker whose catchphrase was, Time to make the donuts. Each morning before we wake up, the Lord makes us mercy donuts. They are gluten-free and leave you with no regrets after consumption. Because, as the latter part of the verse says, great is God's faithfulness. In the passage from Hebrews, we find two words, immutability and immutable. The root word for them is mutate, which means change. God cannot change. Hence, he is immutable. You don't have to wonder what mood he might be in tomorrow because God is not controlled by his emotions. One attribute of God is that he is long-suffering. God is called the Heavenly Father. He is not like some earthly fathers who might abuse their children. When God brings chastening, it always comes from his love. Again, God's love and justice are rooted in his holiness. He never flies off the handle, nor provokes his children to wrath. Your relationship with God is the best kind of relationship there is. Friends and loved ones will inevitably fail or disappoint us in some way, but God never can nor will. In Hebrews 6.19, God tells us that our relationship with him is like an anchor that's safe and secure. Paul said in Romans 8 verses 35 through 39 that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now back to the three branches of government. It is improper and unethical for one person to control each branch, though many leaders since the fall of man have tried. Our founders knew and agreed with the Bible that that is too much power for man to wield because all men are sinful. For this reason, our founders implemented checks and balances. This, of course, is how each branch holds the others accountable. God needs no accountability or counsel because he is always just. Anything that attempts to supersede or change the Constitution is to be thrown out. Anything that may help citizens live more peaceable lives should be considered and implemented if it is best. Not all good ideas are the best. God instituted human government to punish the evil and reward the good. See Romans 13. With this, we need to remember that we, the people, are the government and that the men and women who hold office are our representatives. We would do well to remind them of that fact. Also, God has given us the tremendous privilege of giving us a voice to vote. Voting, along with all other gifts and talents God has bestowed upon us, is to be well stewarded. If we don't vote, we dishonor God. While God is sovereign, he has given us this opportunity that must not be squandered. The latter part of our key text from Isaiah 33:22 says, He will save us. In context, Isaiah was speaking of God's future deliverance of the kingdom of Judah from Babylon. By practical application, we can think of this as God's reminder that government is not the answer to man's problems and so our hope ought not to be tied to it. Government is necessary because people are inherently wicked. We are all born sinners. Again, the government was established by God to reward the good and punish the evil. 
Today we are seeing the line between good and evil blur. Here are the days when good is called evil and evil is called good. Surely we are in the last days. Albeit this world has been in the last days since Christ's ascension. The early church looked for Christ's return to rapture them out of the world and for God's wrath to be poured out upon the earth in its day. Human government is an earthly reminder that things here below are all temporary. Hebrews 9.27 says, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Those who reject Jesus Christ as their Savior will stand before God at the great white throne judgment. Revelation 20 verses 11 through 15 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him, referring to God, that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Also, Revelation 21 verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. At this judgment, no one will have a plea to offer. No appeal will be made. God cannot allow sinners into heaven. The sentence at this judgment is everlasting punishment in hell and then in the lake of fire. No amount of good works will earn you a place in heaven. The only way to be saved or delivered from this pending judgment is by repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 20, verse 21. Jesus died for all, but his death is only effectual for those who rest solely upon him for their salvation. No one has their own thing worked out between them and God. God is just and fair. He will judge righteously. He cannot be bribed or moved by pleading tears. John 3.16-18 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Also, John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Jesus is the only hope we can have for deliverance from this world and from the judgment to come. Thank you for listening to Strengthening the Brethren podcast. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. If you are listening via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give a 5-star rating and review. Lastly, share with your friends so that they too can be encouraged and think about the topics that come up on this podcast. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or anything else for me, you can contact me through my website at www.refreshedingodsword.com 
Or you may email me at stbpodcastkjv at gmail.com. Have a blessed day.